0: Welcome to Slayer Fest 98. I'm your host, Ian Carlos Crawford.
1: And I'm your other host, Matthew Rodriguez. And today we have two very special guests with us. We have the contributing editor for Sci Fi Fangirls.
2: Hi, Carly Lane, back again.
1: <laughs> <laughs> and we have William the Bloody Spike himself.
3: Hi, I'm James Marsters. Glad to be here.
1: Yay. Yay! No,
3: I'll, I'll give you my, 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 my fake sexy British accent so everyone believes it's me. <laughs> Hi, I'm Spike. I've come, I've come around for a bit of a talk and a tickle.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Love it. Um, so, James, we have every first time guest, we have them give us their Buffy origin. Um, and mm-hmm. we've had Janus Benson and Amber Benson on. So, of course. All of y'all have more unique origins to the show, but uh, tell us how you came to start working for the show.
3: Oh, I, uh, I came down to Los Angeles to prostitute myself. <laughs> um, I, was, uh, I was a stage actor, and very happy to, to be a stage actor. Um, I, worked, I worked consistently, uh, had a good luck on stage, both in Chicago and Seattle, I had my own theater company, but the thing about stage actors is we don't make any money. And I had just become a father and realized in a flash that my, my new job on Earth had changed from creating art to creating one good human being, and that was going to take money. And, uh, and so I decided to at least try to do that, and I moved down to Los Angeles, and um, I met Joss Whedon, and it all worked out uh, better than I ever could have hoped. Uh, a father who makes the kind of career decisions that I made doesn't really deserve to be able to afford health care. <laughs> um, <laughs> but I met Joss, and everything changed. Uh, so I, um, I remember auditioning for, for Spike uh, and trying to play mental games with the other people auditioning. I was really trying to freak them out, and I'd just come off of a, a Macbeth a a, a really successful Macbeth in Seattle. Um, And I played Macbeth. And so I came down, I had my nose in the air. I was like, I am an actor. (laughs) You people want to be television stars. I'm going to mop the floor with you. (laughs) So I was like in the corner doing Shakespearean soliloquies, right? Thinking that this was freaking everyone out. But in fact, I just looked like a psychotic. (laughs) I just looked like a freak show. Uh, I didn't realize yet that that film acting and stage acting were so different that that, that if you're good at stage acting, it really means almost nothing as to whether or not you can be good in front of a camera. Uh, And so I was just embarrassing myself. But luckily, I didn't realize that. Um, And I I auditioned. uh, And Juliet Landau, uh, we hit it off, you know. Uh, We didn't really talk much before. But as soon as they started the scene, her acting style and my acting style just kind of jived, and uh, we worked just instinctually very well together in the small amount of time that we had, and at the end of my short audition, David Greenwald, who is the guy who thought up the character Angel and who was uh, Joss's writing partner uh, to, to do the whole series, he just kind of clapped his hands and says, I love these guys, <laughs> and I was in.
0: Cool. So you got nice. it like right after your first edition?
3: Uh, the second audition. Second? Okay. Uh, they, cool. It was all very quick. They, they, um, they had been looking, apparently, I didn't know this at the time, but they'd been looking for someone for Spike for a long time and they couldn't find anybody. Okay. Uh, and they were looking at a lot of kind of known actors and names and stuff and they couldn't find the right person. And they had three days left before they started filming the episode oh, and their backs were up against the wall. And I guess they put out the word to scrape the bottom of the barrel so to speak in Hollywood (laughs) and bring in a bunch of people that they normally wouldn't take time for. And that's where they found me. Uh, and I had just come to town. I think I'd been in Los Angeles for three months. Uh, and no one knew me and, and, and I got this great audition.
1: Cool. So one of the interesting Um, things about that is that like your early audition had so much to do with Juliet Landau, but down the road, obviously, you had to have so much chemistry with Sarah. Yeah. Did you? Yeah. I mean, what was it like acting opposite Sarah for the first time? Ah,
3: uh, fabulous. I mean, like Sarah is uh, such a professional. I mean, like um, mean, she's a she's a great person. But I mean, uh, it's like it's my job to have fun as an actor. Like, um, if you're not having fun, the audience is not going to have fun watching you. And so if you're acting with someone who doesn't know their lines or is late or can't hit their marks or with their blocking or just all that stuff, it's really hard to have fun. Because if you're on your game and you're ready to go and the other person is just blowing it all the time, uh, it's hard to relax and and really kind of do your best job. And Sarah is just a freaking machine. Man. She cut her – she learned how to do it on a, on a uh, on soap opera where right. you do – you film an hour's worth of content in one day, right? So, like, yeah. like the Avengers does an hour and a half of content, and it takes them two years. Yeah, <laughs> uh, Buffy <laughs> did an hour of content. Well, actually, more like forty-eight minutes of content, and uh, it takes us eight filming days, twelve to twenty hours to do it. And and Sarah was used to doing one hour in one day, so she could memorize her lines on the way from the trailers to the set, which I found infuriating because I would have to take all night to learn my lines. But <laughs> we, whatever it takes, we both showed up ready to go. Um, and I kind of played... I played at a strange, sick sort of attraction to Buffy right from the beginning... It wasn't that I thought that we were going to end up together. It was that um, there is something sexual about being a predator, especially when you're a vampire. I mean, you're hunting for a meal, so you're kind of like a tiger, but you're also hunting in a sexual way. Uh, And that kind of uh, has to combine uh, for that vampiric uh, hunting. Um, And so I was kind of aware of that. Uh, and I played those two things right from the top. Um, yeah. uh, I I remember when, um, remember Mark Belukas? Yeah. Good old Mark <laughs> Belukas, Riley, right? <laughs> so I, at one point I asked Joss, I was like, did you write Riley to be boring just to clear the audience's palette and, and, and make them get over Angel and get ready for a new vampire lover for Buffy and he's like oh i don't know james maybe i did <laughs> so like <laughs> poor mark you know he got a character that was designed to be rejected by the audience <laughs> um,
0: we actually always and, like try to defend him on the podcast cuz he's boring but like he's a he means well he tries
3: well that's well the thing is, is he's actually the kind of guy that i hope my daughter finds <laughs> he is actually when you get a little older he's exactly the kind of guy you want to be with he's kind he's he's steady he will be there in a pinch he's the perfect husband <laughs> uh, and i and I think that that riley not working out is is more of a um critique of Buffy herself than of riley actually yeah. and I think that joss, is, joss was saying that on purpose <laughs> yeah. Uh, so yeah uh, so anyway so so, so, uh, uh, I, I, I went to Josh at the end of season, whatever, four. And, um, and I said, look, man, if you want me to take my shirt off, can you just give me some, uh, can you give me just a, like a few months to get ready? Cause I can do it for you, but don't Mark, mark Belookas me. Don't like, just, just take it off with no warning. <laughs> um, and he goes, he goes, oh, uh, well, good. Well, I'm glad we're talking. Um, you're going to fall in love with Buffy next season, so get ready. Yeah, work out this summer. <laughs> and I and I just went, oh, Joss, you're a genius. I've been thinking about that. I mean, like, that's perfect. Spike should fall in love with Buffy. Uh, but, of course, she'll never fall in love with him. That would be ridiculous. <laughs> um, and he just said, no, actually, uh, she's going to fall for you guys. going to have sex all year. Go. <laughs> and, and I was just stunned, you know, because my idea was just, you know, how do you get Spike to stop trying to kill Buffy? Right. Because as soon as he's in the show on a regular basis, he, got, he can't keep trying to kill her because it's going to get repetitive and he's going to look stupid for failing all the time. Right. And it, it, it really will be Scooby-Doo. <laughs> uh, and they had, they had, like, implanted a chip in me, yeah. which was funny on a certain level, but I thought it would be even funnier if Spike was head over heels for Buffy uh, and he tries to be the kind of guy that Buffy would like, uh, but he fails, either tragically or horrifically or comedically like there's a bunch of different ways that could be played. I always thought that would be more fun. And um, so I thought it was a great idea, but I I was so confused by the idea that Buffy would fall for Spike because like Buffy's way above Spike, like Spike is evil. Like that's, he is, he says he's bad. So um, I had come to think of Sarah as my kid's sister
0: who, oh boy <laughs>
3: right I mean like you know you get to know someone yeah. and you, you, you it, she's just you know, like I love her to death uh, enjoy her sometimes she drives me crazy I drive <laughs> her crazy but we're we're family yeah and that's how it works now. And so that was weird and I worried about this on the off season all the time how am I gonna play these scenes man? Um, and then I was sitting waiting to, to film. Sarah was finishing up a scene in the Burger Palace where she was wearing that chicken hat. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I'm looking at it, and she's doing a take, and she's she's manning the drive-through, and she's being super polite to all the customers. And it hit me that i could I could love Sarah in a platonic way, but I could fall in love with Buffy herself, yeah, because Buffy uh, had been a hero who died in battle, who went to heaven, got ripped out of heaven and straight back to earth where she loses her mother she's got to be pretty much a mother because she's got dawn now she's got to drop out of school and and not go to college and she's got to she's got to work at a burger joint and she's not complaining and she's not taking it out on the customer she's actually trying to move through this day with some kind of grace and that was inspirational to me and i just fell in love with her and i was kind of I was looking at Sarah doing this take, and I had this grin on my face. And she turns around after the take and sees me smiling at her. And she goes, what? <laughs> it's the hat, right? God, James. Everyone's been making fun of me all day. I thought you would be cool. And she was offended, man. And I, just, I couldn't say no, man. I just fell in love with you. I, um, it's, it's all going to be fine this year is going to be brilliant it's all going to work now so today we so, are
0: here to talk about your big episode in season 5 Fool for Love mm-hmm. um, which honestly I I have in my notes I think it's the episode where I fell in love with Spike myself because um, uh-huh. before mm-hmm. like you said he could, there was only so many times I could make Spike hate her, try to kill her and fail and continue to do it um, yeah. and I really liked getting this backstory that he was this like tender poet who was like really emotional um i don't know uh do do you want to talk about a little bit about the prep for that episode how that came about
3: um yeah specifically about william that was a surprise to me i uh i if you ask any actor what he what he imagines for his character he'll always answer the same thing make me cool (laughs)
0: <laughs> every time,
3: whatever. And it'll be dressed up in a thousand different ways, but any actor, any any uh, idea that an actor comes up with as far as story for their character, it always revolves around, like, give me something so people think I'm a good actor, or make me cool. Uh, it's <laughs> really kind of pathetic. So um, I had always thought that Spike was a punk rocker before he was a vampire. I, I thought that he was always a badass. Mm-hmm. I really did. And it was it was a shock to find... That he was a poet, and at first I was very uncomfortable with that. Um, I did not want to show the audience my other sides. You know, I was comfortable showing them the badass side of myself that uh, that I used for Spike, and I didn't want to show them my my soft underbelly. Uh, and uh, but that that pretty much changed. And I, I kind of showed up to set that day with the sense that everyone's going to judge this character. The whole, the audience is going to judge this character. Everyone's going to revile him. But I'm going to be in his corner. I'm going to be the one person that fights for William. <laughs> uh, and uh, the only problem really was that they couldn't find a wig that could fit my in- huge skull. <laughs> I have a very big skull. and And there was no... Time to build a wig for my big head, uh, so they had to go shopping around for the wigs that already existed, and there just wasn't any that they could get on my head. Oh boy! <laughs> uh, and there was only one that was close, and they had to they had to kind of like cut that one up so it kind of stretched out over my <laughs> my cranium.
1: <laughs> um, yeah. So you you had said that you had this kind of like vision of who Spike was uh, in his past, and then the the script didn't exactly. You know, jive with that. Um, what do yeah. you think about the uh, the parallels of Cecily saying that you're saying you're beneath me to Spike, and then Buffy saying it to him, like as a character? You know, yeah, yeah. Him getting the news twice, basically, that like this woman he has a crush on is too good for him.
3: Yeah, um, and you know, the real kicker is that the first time he hears it from Cecily, uh, it's not true. That she yeah. he's not beneath Cecily. Yeah. He's actually uh, he may be above her. She's she's got a probably more to learn than he does at that time at that time in in their lives. Yeah. Uh, she's much more into position and society and what other people think of you, and he, he's much more in tune with the heart. Yeah. Uh, the real painful thing I think is that when Buffy says it later, she's right, right oh. mm-hmm. and that she truly is above him. Because she's a good person, and he's fallen.
0: Yeah, that's true.
3: Uh, yeah, and that's, that, that's the yeah. real pain.
2: I love that moment, too, because we actually see Spike, he almost starts to cry a little bit. Like, he's picking up the crumpled money that she's just thrown on the ground, you know. And he's on the ground, too. And then and then immediately, almost, you see the shift from, like, just sadness to anger. Um, yeah. But it's yeah, it's a powerful scene Ian and I were actually talking before we started recording. <laughs> I think that even that whole scene um, right before she says the line uh, when the episode cuts back and forth between um, 1970s New York City when he's mm-hmm. just killed Nikki Wood and he's giving the speech. He's giving the speech from the subway and then it cuts back and forth between the bronze Um Was that was that something that was in the script, And then did you have to kind of film, you know, that speech, you know, multiple times for it to be used? I'm just curious about, like, the mechanics of that, because I think I think as a visual, it's one of the most powerful of the whole show, not just the episode.
1: Mm hmm. Mm hmm.
3: Um, Yeah. You know, we we just filmed. It was in the script as a as a I mean, like everything on Buffy starts on the page like it's all joss man the whole thing is joss and you're just following his game plan uh you don't improvise i didn't i didn't improvise a conjunction on that show none of us did uh it, so it was it was definitely on the page as a cutback between the subway and the bronze uh but but the the, the way to film that efficiently is that we just filmed the entire dialogue at the bronze mm-hmm. knowing that it was going to cut so that affects how you kind of play it Right, and I try to play it with a bit of lift, kind of an eerie. I could try to play it in a way that they could put cool music behind it, and it would lift. If that makes mm-hmm. any sense,
2: mm-hmm. yeah. I kind
3: of stare at her more intently than usual, I suppose. Um, and then, uh, and then, the on the day with the stunts in the subway, um, there was there was. I think it's just the part where I'm straddling uh, Nikki Wood yeah. for a killer, and I'm mm-hmm. and we redo some of that dialogue, and uh, it was d- it was just trying to remember exactly how I had played it in the bronze, and then trying to play it in the same ballpark uh, wh- on the subway, so it cut well. Yeah. Uh, but also was trying to give it a difference, being that I had just fought a battle so it had to be a little more intense but it also had to kind of fit together right yeah
2: yeah i mean it's definitely i think this the the cut to the subway too i mean you see you don't even see nikki wood because she's out of the frame you just see your arm kind of reaching down below frame as as you know spike literally is choking her to death um is makes it even more powerful i think um But and it's James, one of my favorites, and that was
3: a fun day, by the way. Yeah, I was gonna uh, say,
2: I'm uh, fight scene on oh, the subway car.
3: <laughs> yeah, that that was I forget the, the, the actor's name who played Nikki Wood, but she was just a straight up stunt woman. Yeah, mm-hmm. uh, and because there was no dialogue, they could just cast someone, uh, a stunt woman. Yeah, and she was one of the best in Hollywood, and uh, we were on a kind of a tricky set uh because subways are all rivets and metal yeah. uh, uh and hard corners and, and there's just a thousand ways to get cut or right. ripped open or bashed kind of. <laughs> um and so it was, you know it was a really fun though, because we were like I came from stage where you don't get a stunt man, so I'm fairly proficient at stunts. And she's a freaking master at stunts. Um and, and just working out with her what the dance is. How do we do this really energetic fight but keep it in one lane? Yeah. Because the only safe place to fight on the subway is right down the middle. You cannot deviate from that center lane or you get, you get bashed or you get cut. So uh, it was just really fun because you really had to be on your game and I had to keep up with her uh, <laughs> to do that scene. Yeah. yeah, I
0: guess if she's a stunt, like that's her job. I guess it would be a little... You have to keep up with her, then, right?
3: Oh yeah, they, <laughs> big time. I was. I mean, I was. That was one of the fun things about doing Buffy is they allowed me to do a lot of my own stunts, and so I was fighting stunt people uh, all the time every week. Yeah, mm-hmm. was uh, the. And uh, I was learning from them all the time.
2: Yeah, the actress then, or the uh, the the woman who played the Chinese Slayer, was she also another stunt woman?
3: Oh my God, yes, yeah. she's yeah. Ming Lee. Yeah, and she is a close relative of Bruce Lee. Oh really? And oh yeah. <laughs> cool. And she teaches. She's one of the main teachers of his dojo in Santa Monica, the one that he started, the one that brought kung fu to America Shit. originally, back in the '60s.
0: James, and, I feel like um, that's a big, like, big deal, right?
3: Oh yeah, oh yeah. <laughs> and she is deadly. I mean, like, she's just a little thing, and she's a sweetheart. Uh, but she reminded me how much she could kill me at any moment like i was (laughs) i was like playing around with my sword kind of twirling it hey ming you know kind of getting a little close but just kind of playing Mm -hmm. and she just kind of cocked her head like oh really you want to play (laughs) huh and then she just whipped it right under the tip of my nose like like bam uh and just backed me up it was like a little movie moment i was like okay ming okay okay you're you're this shit i'm sorry i'm sorry (laughs) Uh, but she was, she was a very kind person, but I've never really been in the room with someone who was that graceful, that liquid, uh, and that dangerous hmm. in my wow. life. That's yeah. cool.
0: Yeah. Um, yeah. So one of the things I want to talk about, did you guys, did Joss on purpose have Cecily be Anya's friend, Halfrek? Or was that just like they really liked the actress, brought her back, and then they decided to make a reference to it?
3: Uh, I think the latter.
0: Okay, that's what I was. But thinking I don't know. You'd
3: have to ask Joss. But I, I, it smacks to me of just like that. She was a fabulous actor, and mm-hmm. and uh, uh, it's just it seems like a waste to just have her in one scene. Like you discover, like oh my god, she's amazing. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And we only had her for one scene. I wish she could come back. She. I, so she was in makeup though, right? And when she came back with Anya, she wasn't. Yeah, yeah, she. She, was, she, she in pretty heavy makeup.
0: Yeah, she was in like Vengeance Demon makeup, but they still have you and her acknowledge that you know each other. (laughs) Yeah. Like, while she's in the makeup, she says, William? And then, like, Spike looks at her like, wait, do I know you?
3: Oh, wow. Um, Okay, so he made it work, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So I don't know. Maybe it was, he might have thought of that from the beginning. That's possible, too. um, No clue.
0: So how was it when you, how did you guys like working when it was you, David, um, Julie, and Juliet? Because I feel like the four of you have really good like, really good, like, villain chemistry, almost.
3: Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. You
0: know, we get the scene of, in this episode, Angel and Spike fighting, and Darla and Drusilla are kind of just, like, the chorus. They're watching, and Darla's like, our boys are gonna fight. Um, I
3: don't
0: know, like, tell us a little bit about doing those scenes, the four of you together.
3: Yeah, you know, my memory of Juliet Landau is that she's just a fearless actor, that she, she just goes for it. Um, uh, she she's not really concerned with if the audience is going to think she's cool. She's she's really concerned with just being true to it, and therefore she's super cool. Um, uh, she I mean like like a lot of actors would not be comfortable playing playing Drusilla in yeah. that weird, insane, freaky way that she was able to do. And uh, I always, I always just thought she was a badass actor for, for not being so concerned with glamour and just going for something interesting, because I, I think that's how you get really glamorous. <laughs>
0: yeah, no, yeah, and she always um, sells it. Boring. Even when like, yeah. even when it's like Drusilla spouting nonsense, I feel like she sells it.
1: Yeah, she was. It was, it was, it was so, so makes funny sense to her. Yeah. It's so funny to you that you had talked about how everything comes from the page because it I can imagine it being so hard for uh, Drusilla on the page to to match up with like how an actor might p- play Drusilla, and that mm-hmm. Juliet Landau just got it. You know.
3: Yeah, because when you're playing, you have to find the logic behind the insanity. Like the, to my character, this all makes sense, and right. you find all the internals to stitch all that together. And even though it may not be apparent from the outside, there's something happening on the inside that makes absolute sense. Yeah. And, uh, I, and she found that every time, yeah. And
0: I even love the first Drusilla and William scene. Everyone's very themselves, and Drusilla's already established. Like, you know, she's been a vampire for however many years. Um, mm-hmm. And I think it's really... she. It almost feels like she gets him. And that's what... Like, you know, because it doesn't seem like... A like very tender kind of nerdy poet would be who this like badass vamp would be attracted to, but she—it's yeah. like she gets him, right? Yeah,
3: yeah. It's like you've got a fire in you. Yeah, mm-hmm. that, that right. is going to it's going to ignite, and I'm going to help you ignite that.
2: Side note, though, the yeah. fact that uh, <laughs> when Drusilla first, first bites bites uh, William and him yeah. to saying "ow" is one of the one I of love the funniest.
3: <laughs>
2: <laughs> <laughs> like at first, he's like, "Okay, a little too much," and then and then you know later he obviously gets eventually starts kind of getting into it. But I also, I'm glad <laughs> you, <laughs> I'm glad you um, brought that scene up, Ian, because I think also the fact that she plucks that word from the poem, like yes. just out of the air, almost. I mean, and there's, mm-hmm. there's been some conversation, I think, that the show even has alluded to the fact that she has psychic abilities. I think that's
0: yeah, kind of been so,
2: established, yeah. so yeah. yeah the fact that she kind of she almost kind of sees that word right on his you know right in Forehead. over yeah
3: I wonder exactly, and I think she made the hand gesture of plucking, Yes. Yeah. Like, yeah yeah, which is probably instinctual on Juliet's part. Uh, that's in in that wonderful way that actors kind of synthesize a lot of information and then just get an idea in the moment and it just comes out. But it's actually a, it's after a lot of thought that you may or may not even be
1: aware of. One yeah. of the interesting things about this episode um, and when it talks about kind of Spike's love life is it oh, oh wait very- a minute, sorry, can can I go back? Yeah, no. yeah, totally.
3: This is an interesting thing. Uh, working now working with David Boreanaz, um I hated David Boreanaz. <laughs> For the <laughs> longest time, I was jealous of him. It took it. I, I, um, I, my girlfriend at the time got jealous of the friendship that I developed with Juliet. Because mm-hmm. we were, we got close in a friendship way, yeah, a yeah. platonic way. But my, my girlfriend at the time, that drove her crazy. So she told me that she had a crush on David Boreanaz. So I hated David Boreanaz. <laughs> and, and you can see it on film. Um, <laughs> uh, it's real, you know. Jealousy, just seething jealousy. Oh, you're the man, aren't you, Mr. Tall Boy, Mr. <laughs> forehead. Mr. My <laughs> girlfriend loves you. And it. And it took me a long time to realize that David had been nice to me from day one. He was supportive of me from day one, and he couldn't have been more gracious the entire time. And I was I was being horrible, uh, but I think it worked for film. And that's my little that's my little story. Uh, and I interrupted you. My apologies.
1: No, no, no. Um, well, I was going to ask about like this episode. In a lot of ways, is kind of like Spike's love life: past, present, future. And you have yeah. future with Buffy, and you have past. With Drusilla, but I want to talk to you about Harmony. (laughs) For a lot of (laughs) reasons, not only because Mercedes McNabb is a perfect actress, um, (laughs) but also because, I mean, the way you were kind of talking about Riley is kind of similar with Harmony, right? Like, they are so clearly not supposed to be together, and they're biding their time between... You're biding your time between Drusilla and Buffy. Yeah, yeah. But, I mean, also... Harmony is one of the funniest people and most magnetic presences on screen. When you watch, isn't
3: she? Yeah, I agree. Amazing.
1: <laughs> and I and I think that the
0: two of you have really good. I don't even know. I don't. I guess the word wouldn't be chemistry, but chemistry. Like it's clear that Spike can't stand her. Harmony. Yeah. Harmony. I mean, Harmony likes him, but like she doesn't care either way. Um, and I just... It's in so fun to watch the two of you just say these absurd things and, like, Spike's over it. Harmony's just bubbly and saying absurd things. Um, yeah. The two of you are, like, a joy to watch on screen together.
3: <laughs> yeah, I loved uh, acting with Mercedes because you're right, she was just amazing. Um, and I think, you know, I think the way I think of it is, like, um, Harmony's picker is broken or she just made a bad choice in Spike. And... <laughs> Takes her a while to realize that and leave him. Um, uh, but you know Spike is both attracted to and furious at Buffy, and yeah. so he he finds a stand-in for Buffy, and it's really probably just the blonde hair. Yeah, that's true. And he, for all his frustration, he just takes it out on, on Harmony. Yeah, uh, and it's it is a sick relationship, but like a lot of sick relationships it can be played for a lot of laughs.
0: Yeah, no, totally. Um, And I mean, I even liked seeing you both together again in the last season of Angel. Like, I loved that dynamic of her as like the pretty terrible secretary and you, like, (laughs) you were playing Spike just like he did not want anything to do with her. Um, And, you know, one of our former guests said that Harmony's like almost a stunted Cordelia like she stopped oh, wow. maturing in high school and she kind of always stayed with that mentality and I feel like that's kind of true. Yeah, huh.
3: um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um That's interesting. Yeah. yeah. Um yeah, cuz I think I think that he was attracted to her. Right. Yes. There is definitely that. But listen,
0: we've all been in that relationship where it's like, well, the sex is good, but nothing else about this is yeah. good. <laughs>
3: exactly. Exactly. For um, both of them.
0: And uh so I really so I really appreciate that this episode does for Spike what we hadn't gotten before, where it's, all, it's showing him murder slayers, and it's not, it's not sugarcoating it, it's showing that he murdered them, but it's also making us feel bad for Spike um, when it comes mm. to Buffy, uh, which I feel like is a like, credit to the writing and all the acting going on. Uh, like I remember watching season five when it aired, and I would actually get annoyed with Buffy, like myself, I'd be like, she keeps, she can't decide whether she likes him as a, at least a partner or whether she fucking hates him. And I need her to decide, like, watching it, I would get annoyed. And my, my mother, who is a 71 year old Puerto Rican, James, she loves Spike. My mom would always be like, ooh, he's (laughs) handsome. (laughs) So my mom would always be like team Spike immediately. And I'm like, you know, 18 watching it with her. She'd be like, no, yeah. I want her to be with him. He's handsome. <laughs>
3: <laughs> this drove Joss crazy. He, like, Evil is not cool to Joss Whedon. Yeah. And I, I really respect him for that. I, I think that in, in real life, evil is pathetic and <laughs> grotesque. Yeah. And it's not inspiring at all. And it ain't cool when you see it in real life. And I think that it's a disturb it, a disservice to humanity when artists portray evil as cool or sexy. And, and, um, Oh, dad, sorry. <laughs> about, sorry. But that was the problem with spike is that he was supposed to die after five to 10 episodes. Yeah. He was really just, he was really just there to, uh, to be a sacrifice for Angel. Like, so Buffy and Angel sleep together. Buffy, uh, Angel goes evil, breaks Buffy's heart. Mm. And, and as soon as Angel goes evil, he kills Spike and becomes the badass. But in order for that to work, he has to kill the badass. So he, so, so Spike was built up as the ultimate badass, but only so that Angel could kill him. You right. Know? And, and Angel was the conflicted character that was not truly evil anymore, but, but, right. That was the dynamic that was being explored. But as soon as they decided not to kill Spike, they had a real problem.
1: Yeah.
3: Um, and and you can you can kind of sense that the show is is trying to get the fans to stop liking Spike so much. He's evil, folks. <laughs> stop it. And it just never happened. And I yeah. I, I I think that um, watching Joss deal with that, I thought he would just kill me off. Like if I yeah. if it would have been me. With the theme of how do you get through your adolescence without giving up on yourself, yeah, uh, and giving up on the world, and where where the vampires are just metaphors for the challenges that you face in high school. Um, uh, if I had had that theme and one of my vampires w- was was the sexy vampire like that, I would just chop his head off immediately. <laughs> but but Joss was interested in exploring that um, even though it was dangerous to his theme um, he's I think I'm, I'm very glad he did because it was a very interesting ride and I think that he was quoted as saying that he was learning on like not all villains are all evil uh, and and so it was it was kind of a good for both of us to, to, to explore that um, but yeah it was it was a real problem he backed me up against a wall early on and and shook his finger in my face and just said, I don't care how popular you are, kid. You are dead. You hear me? Dead, <laughs> dead, dead. Like that. I just held up my hands. I was like, it's your
1: football, man. I mean, like, whatever you want to do. I feel, I feel like from, from what, everything you said, I have, like, three questions. But, I mean, what, what did you, when, after season two, did you know that Joss had more plans for you? Or did you think that Spike's arc was over after the Angel storyline had ended?
3: It was over. That was it. Um, uh, There was no plans to have him back. Uh, And in season three, I just came back as a guest star for one episode, as sometimes happens. Um, And it wasn't until Angel spun off to his own show and took with him Cordelia. uh, And they... They needed another Cordelia. They needed a character to say, "Buffy, you're stupid. We're all about to die," <laughs> <laughs> and and they decided to let uh, Spike try to be that. And so I was only in the show originally. I was only in the, sh- in the show on season four as a regular to be the new Cordelia, and you can see uh, they they had a trouble getting me in the room to tell Buffy she was stupid. Uh, And I would come running in with a smoking blanket all the time.
1: Well, it's, Uh, it's so funny too, for a show that's going to college that they made up a new college friend, you know? Yeah. Like, Oh, we just, we met this new girl, Bordelia. (laughs) (laughs) But they like to bring you back for that is really interest is an interesting choice, you know? Yeah, it is. It's, it's, it's typical Joss Whedon
3: because it's kind of opposite of Cordelia, yeah. but it functions in the same way. But the thing is, it failed. Uh, they couldn't get me in the room. Uh, we right. were, the, the the crew was gagging on the smoke every day, and it just wasn't sustainable. Uh, and I thought they would kill me off. I was like, well, it didn't work out. It's, it's really too bad. And then they found Anya. Yeah. Uh, and so she she kind of fit that. Um, and yeah, I thought I was out of the job, but they, they kept me around.
0: I mean, yeah, cause <laughs> even even in this episode, we get that brief scene where Riley's patrol while Buffy and Spike are talking, Riley's patrolling with the Scoobies, and, you know, I feel like the this show, I feel like, is a really good culmination of all the parts. The writing is really great, and the acting is great, you know, because like a throwaway scene of like Riley patrolling with Anya, Willow, and Xander, and Willow, Anya, and Xander are just mm-hmm. like munching on chips, and it's like, Really absurd, but it works, you know.
3: Um, yeah, I think yeah.
0: the comedic timing of everyone is like really great, uh, and like you said, yeah. Mark Bluettis is the straight guy. He's the the straight man. He's just trying to patrol. He doesn't have like many funny scenes, but it's still the, his yeah. purpose is served, right?
1: Yeah. Did you uh, did you ever? So you were talking about um, your relationship with David Boreanaz before. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know you know so later in the comics it's kind of insinuated that Spike and Angel during their time together did have like sex at one point oh, yeah yeah, <laughs> yeah so I was I, I wrote it I wrote down actually a, a moment where you call Angel a poofter which is like a British like name for fag. Um, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. At that moment, so you actually call him like a slur. <laughs> but I also I was watching it and I was like, I feel like they're doing it because they also like have fucked or want to fuck and they like won't say it.
3: <laughs> yeah, definitely. I mean, I mean, there was a line. I forget, I think it was when we were doing Angel together, or maybe it was when David it, came to guest back. It wasn't. It was on
0: Angel. It was Angel season five. Yeah,
3: <laughs> I know yeah. exactly what you're about and to like, say. <laughs> yeah, and so we're doing the scene, and I'm like, we we did a take, and I just look at David, and I was like. Does this stuff mean what I think it means? And he's like, <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Yeah, I guess so. You know, like, <laughs> like. I think... Yes, yes, whatever Joss wants to do. Okay, let's go to lunch. I'm hungry. <laughs> I you mean, it would,
0: it would make sense. I mean, the four, like, Angel, Drusilla, Darla, and Spike were just together all the time, and I feel like yeah. they're vampires, and, like, whatever. You're right.
3: <laughs> you have a long time to explore all the different possibilities. Exactly. You know, <laughs> like, <laughs> like, you're not dying very quickly, and you're beautiful <laughs> still.
1: So yeah. what did Kurt
3: Cobain say? What else can I say? Everyone is gay. You know, like, <laughs> yeah. give enough people enough time.
1: Yeah. <laughs> um and, and while we have you, I really just want to know, like, I mean you were talking before about like the original aim of the show and high school and the all the metaphors and then how Spike had to fit into the show eventually. Did you feel like when you were shooting season six that it was getting too dark and that like the Spike Buffy relationship might be getting toxic? Like what were your thoughts about the storylines in six? Um
3: Oh wow. It, it, uh, it made sense to me. Uh, I, I, I was never really feeling like Spike deserved Buffy. Uh, I was aware that Spike was beneath her. It was true. Um, um, I was really feeling sorry for Buffy, you know, that she was putting herself through this relationship just because she, she wanted to feel alive. Uh, she mm-hmm. wanted some excitement. her her She had so much responsibility and so much pressure on her life. And, um, but she was making a mistake. Uh, and, yeah, it was getting really dark, uh, but I, I just thought that it was a it was a natural progression, a logical kind of conclusion, you know, like that's what's gonna happen man. and 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 to do it any other way would be a lie. Like if you had Spike and Buffy get together, given where they really were and who they were to have a happy ending would would be false it'd be kind of an insult actually Mm -hmm. um and uh i had no idea where it was going um and uh it ended up being really dark in that bathroom that was one of the worst days of my professional career that that scene actually uh, sent me into therapy oh, it geez. was so hard to film um but you know therapy can make you uh, a lot happier so yeah. it ended up to be a good thing frankly yeah. um but uh it was a very hard day um and i didn't realize it at the time because they don't you know you're not really told what's coming down the pipe yeah
0: yeah
3: uh but that's that was essential uh to to get spike to choose to battle for his soul uh, to make a to make a mistake that big, to hit a bottom that low, yeah, uh, to yeah, to motivate him to try to be better, finally.
0: But see, I do. So it, was all, it
3: all made sense.
0: I so I'm gonna run this by you. I gave on one of our other episodes, I gave my uh, Spike TED Talk, and I said that the big yeah. difference between Spike, that that for it to work, we in within the rules of the universe, we have to believe that all of this is because he doesn't have a soul. So he's battling, he's still got the, the like, lovesick thing going on that he had when he was an adult, when he was a human, sorry. But then that's mixed in with being a demon, because within the rules of the show, you know, if we're to believe the soul is the factor that makes you human. Um, so I feel like that's why Spike confuses love and obsession. Yeah. What What do you think about that? <laughs>
3: I cheated. <laughs> I have to be honest about this. Um, I Spike told me that I was playing a soulless vampire, didn't care about anyone, and, and didn't love anything. Um, and I told him, I looked right into his eyes, I said, yes, boss, you got it. And he turned his back, and I thought, uh, to heck with that. I am not going to play this character like he wants me to, because I want a job. <laughs> and if I play it like that, he's going to kill me off. Yeah. Like, um, that's that's the kind of character that the audience doesn't respond to. Like, if you find the love, you find the gold in the mountain. Um, and that could be love uh, rejected, love crushed, love denied, you know, or fruitful love. It could be any version of love. If you find where that is, you find the thing that the audience will want to to connect to, and uh, I was very poor at the time, and I needed to make money to feed my son. And I was like, I am not going to let him kill me off. I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna find the love. And, and initially, it was finding the love for Drusilla. And I found myself undercutting some of the dialogue where on the page, Spike kind of seems like he's judging on her pretty harshly mm-hmm. and making fun of her. Uh, there was one scene where she's like on a table looking up at the stars, but she's indoors, and I'm like, you know, also love that the ceiling, of the stars, you know, and on the page he's really kind of like running her down, but I decided to just like put my put my my chin on my in my hand and just be completely entranced. Like this is what I love about you, honey. This is my favorite thing that you can see the stars in the ceiling. You're amazing and I just went exactly opposite of where the page was going um, and and uh, and then I played love for Buffy even before the soul this was an, a, a complete cheat and it was against the theme <laughs> Um and i think that it made it interesting
0: well you did it well you did it damn you know?
3: well <laughs> yeah yeah so I'm so glad i mean like but, but these questions like i don't know like this is all about audience perception yeah and 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 probably the only storyteller to really ask about this would be the writers and how did they square this circle yeah um uh, because it's not easily squared yeah you know, i'll be honest about it yeah yeah uh, that's yeah. it
2: is, I mean, it is an interesting dichotomy because you even I think one of the one of the lines that even best sums up his relationship with Buffy's in the musical where he's like, i got to kill her. Oh, no, wait, I have to help her like in, yeah. you know, in in layman's terms. But um, yeah.
3: I think I, what, yeah. what 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 they told me, uh, Marty Knox once said that the way that we're dealing with this is they're. That Spike, there, there still is a soul peeking out somewhere. Mm. That e- even, it might, you know, like, it, it, it might have fled uh, when he became a vampire, but it's it's kind of peeking behind a thick curtain. Um, yeah, that's all I got. <laughs> yeah.
0: So, rounding out the end of the this specific episode, you know, it's, it's funny because when he goes back to his crypt... He tells Harmony he's gonna kill Buffy. He gets his gun, and it's funny because Harmony, who's pretty oblivious, even has his number, and she's like, "But you're so sensitive," and she's yelling <laughs> at him. Um, and it's kind of funny that like Harmony, the one that we've we, we expect nothing like that from, she's mm-hmm. kind of right, right? Like she, oh yeah, she knows it, and she's actually worried that he's just gonna get killed if he goes to try to kill the Slayer.
1: <laughs> um, yeah, and I love yeah. that she
0: which is true because I mean, you even said like they have so many times of spike trying to kill her and he, he doesn't accomplish it. Uh, I just kind of really like that. She's the voice of reason in one of their last like big scenes together.
3: Yeah. Um, She's like, a a shrink. Yeah. She sees it so clearly, which,
0: which we then go to the, the Drusilla and spike flashback of them breaking up. Um, and (laughs) I really, I really love that scene. Um, you know, you and Juliet, and I feel like Juliet gets to do some of her more uh, like grounded acting. We get to see Drusilla uh-huh. genuinely be upset that Spike. She can tell that he's in love with Buffy. Uh, yeah. And you know, then yeah. there's that demon with the giant horns. And the... that's the,
3: that was so delicious <laughs> that Juliet and I knew that this scene would be hilarious. <laughs> but it, in order for it to be truly funny. We had to sell it as a drama. Yeah, mm-hmm. it had to be. It had to really sink in as an important drama, so that when they cut to the mucus demon, he's like, oh, <laughs> "Guys, should I leave? I, I'm, it's okay. You Guys are having a moment." That's only funny if it sets up. Uh, uh, but we so so we're playing this scene, like, and it's a really important dramatic scene for the characters. But yeah. but like in between takes, they're they're like. Prepping the mucus on the antlers for the guy that's right there. Like we can see him.
2: And that's one of of the best little lines from back in season three, where Spike talks about, you know, the antlers and the mucus and then to have that pay off in that scene is one of the, it's kind of, I think that's one of the things I love so much about the show is that the writers will just, would just put something in like that where, you know, it's almost kind of a throwaway line. And then they find a way to pay it off more than yeah. two, se- two seasons yeah. later.
0: <laughs> like yeah. something that didn't require a payoff, but gets it.
2: <laughs> right, right, but gets, gets it, it anyway, yeah.
3: Yeah, well, like, <laughs> almost like Joss is like, what did I mean by that? Like, I right. came up with it. I thought it was right at the time. And I think it is right, but I have no... Where did that come from? And he starts to explore it. Yeah, yeah. Um, Sometimes artists do that. We, we come up with ideas and we're we're worth, worth synthesizing stuff that we're not aware of and, and yeah. sometimes it takes a lot of the time to think about it, like, oh, that's the connection I was
2: making. Yeah, I mean, speaking yeah. of continuity, I love that this is the episode where you kind of, Spike gets this little you know, it's like his Indiana Jones scar backstory, you get, you know you, oh, yes. you find out how he got the scar on his eyebrow and, and uh, where he got his coat from and like all the kind of little touchstones that the character is known for, you know, yeah. some of the some of the things that they took from you know things that things that you had in your own life but i love yeah. it it's it's like his own little you know indiana jones like you know how did he get the scar <laughs> yeah. yeah
3: yeah yeah. and this is really coat cool. yeah and by the way I only had one coat really? for 7 years yep <laughs> one coat there was one coat for stunts and one coat for me it was leather so it was almost indestructible do you still have it and, uh, no 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 they said i could the costume said i could steal it Uh, If I wanted to, and they wouldn't tell anybody, but I used to run a theater company, and I did not like actors who stole from me, so I let them keep it. And then they sold it for a quarter million dollars three days later. Holy shit! And I thought, and I was like, "You are the biggest idiot in the world, (laughs) James. You're a father who's now unemployed." Think about it. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I used to offer my coat in the early days. I would offer my coat to Sarah on cold nights. And she always thought I was a gentleman. But by by season five and six, that thing had been through so much. So I was going to say, she didn't see. want that coat on her No, anymore. she's like, get that away from me. Oh, my God, no.
0: <laughs> James, this is totally random. But I remember I went to a Comic-Con. I can't remember if it was New York or Philly. I remember you saying on a panel that you designed the Buffy action figure of Spike. Is that true?
3: Yeah, the bad one, yeah. <laughs> um, the first one, the very first one, um, he's got his arms kind of spread and his yeah. coat is billowing out. Yeah. Um, and all I told him is I want it in the shape of the crow. Because ah. the crow is just awesome. Uh, the first crow yeah. movie. Uh, and there's an image of of the crow, and his arms are kind of spread out to his side, and he's looking intently forward. Yeah. And now I I thought, I'm like, you know, oh, that the... makes
0: sense. Yeah, it is that pose.
3: Yeah. And and they're like, uh, okay. <laughs> um, and they they tried to do that. Uh, and if you take that car- that that doll out of the plastic, the billowing coat looks like like he's trapped in a black bell, <laughs> you know, and it. <laughs> It, it, like if you have that one don't take it out of the box it looks better in the box well
0: I asked than, you because you take it out. I photographed them for the covers of the podcast art and that one's actually really hard to photograph because he's like the shape of him and he's looking down yeah that was why I had to ask
3: <laughs> yep they never asked me for my opinion again thank goodness
0: <laughs> I have to say though the light, it, they all look like you though they got, they got the face down yeah yeah,
3: yeah uh, they hired good people to do those toys yeah, seriously
0: yeah. Um,
3: I have them all so do I.
0: <laughs> I worked at a comic book shop at the time, so I would just like, be like, great, I'm going to buy these as they come in. Um, Excellent. So, so the very end of the episode, you, you and Sarah with your faces that fucking kill me and make me cry every time I watch this goddamn episode. Uh, uh-huh. What was that like, filming that scene? Because I feel like the two of you are giving us a lot and there's barely any lines.
3: Yeah. Um... And this is when I go to kill her with a shotgun and I can't do it because yeah. she's sad.
0: The, yeah. the emotions uh, uh, you give. Jesus.
3: I it's one of those things, you know, like um the best the best film acting is where you go in and you know your lines and you know your character and you don't plan anything and then you get on the set and if you're if you're buying it and you're in it, it just happens. Um and all the fury, all the frustration was real. But then I see someone that I love who's in real pain. Uh, and, and all of my anger just dissipates. And I, and I want to somehow comfort her, but I don't know how. And so I kind there's an uncomfortable kind of hand on the back. And I, I don't really know... If I can even make her feel, I probably can't make her feel better, but I want to try. Um, okay. Yeah, and so it was just, it's just—it's just—it's just the kind of thing like like when everything is kind of built beforehand, and and um, all of like I really, I have in my little mind, there really <laughs> is a tiny Sunnydale, there really is a little tiny Spike, and he really is in love with little <laughs> tiny Buffy in my imaginary world. You know, when that is really Mine too. <laughs> yeah. But that has to be built. That has to be created in my mind over over the, the period of of years of playing the character. Yeah. And it had kind of all paid off in that moment. But it wasn't planned. It was it was it felt real
0: mm.
3: when I did it. And that's um. the psychotic nature of acting.
0: James, is there any do you have any other notes on the episode that you any anecdotes from filming that you yeah. remember? <laughs>
3: I don't really know because again, the truth is is that uh, we were known as Buffy the Weekend Slayer. Okay. Uh, we worked twelve to twenty hours a day. Most most TV shows go twelve hours a day, mm-hmm. and then you go home because you have to you have to pay the crew double after twelve hours. Mm-hmm. So they're very disciplined about that. But we we worked for Joss Whedon, and he was never happy after twelve. So. Um, we the thing that happens when you were that tired and you're working that many hours <laughs> is that your short-term memory just evaporates and uh we used to play a, a game with each other uh which was quick what did we film this morning <laughs> and we would play this after lunch <laughs> and we were like i don't know i'm here now you know that, um, that's funny amber was,
0: amber benson told us a story she said that her dressing room was haunted with the dress from the musical. Like she said that she would come in a week after she thought you guys were done filming it. And then her dress from the musical would be back in her trailer. And she'd be like, <laughs> well, I guess we're filming that again.
3: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. We, we broke a lot of rules with how much we filmed from that musical. We, yeah. Uh, there was always a secret little uh, unit going that the network was not supposed to find out about <laughs> to get that done. Uh, so I, I, I've told all the stories that I can remember right now. Oh, uh, um, yeah. Carly.
2: I don't think I have anything else to say.
0: <laughs> we covered like all my notes.
2: James, yeah, I was say. yeah, it was, it was great. I loved, I I mean, I I could just really just sit and listen to you talk about the show all afternoon, but I know people have places to be, so. <laughs> um, no problem. And,
0: uh, oh, I wanted to point out that also I do love Runaways uh yeah I, I love seeing you on it, it makes me very happy so good. Um,
3: so good yeah i'm having the time of my life
0: and that must be cool to be in a marvel show right well Big time. Uh, c- clearly you can't say well, no i hate it but <laughs> it's,
3: terrifying. it's you pr- terrifying you probably
2: also because... can't say that much because it's yeah. marvel and they will, <laughs> they will send someone.
3: <laughs> well that's the thing It's like that's why it's terrifying is it is that uh they're very particular about you not spilling any beans. Yeah. Very particular, mm-hmm. and so you guess you got to be super careful. They have people called Marvel Security on the set, and I thought uh, I thought that they were uh, there to protect us, you know, mm-hmm. against I don't know terrorist attacks or something. Yeah. And uh, I asked one of them, you know, are you here to protect us? And he laughed at me and said, No, we're here to keep you from tweeting, dude. <laughs> 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 so, yeah, they're. They're that would stress particular. me out. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Like, okay, I'm leaving my phone in my trailer. I, I don't <laughs> want to have enough to think about this. Uh, they're very – Marvel is very kind. They know exactly what they're doing. Uh, you know when you come to the set that everything's going to be right. Uh, and as long as you're ready to go, it's going to be a great day. Cool, Um cool. Yeah, I, it, it's really a dream job, absolute dream job.
0: Nice. So we're at that point. Um we're going to discuss favorite outfits of the episode. Uh, James, your favorite outfit. Mm
3: -hmm. Um, I, I really had to be reminded that I had more than one outfit, (laughs) uh, in the entire run of the show. I remember I went to the costume, uh, the costume designer at one point and I was like, what is this? Like Gilligan's Island, man? (laughs) Like, (laughs) can I get a new pair of pants? Um, uh, uh, But, uh, it was, it was really fun to get into the seventies and, uh, for a character that uh, was described to me originally as a punk rock vampire to actually put him in the seventies in New York in a just full on punk. Uh, and what I remember about that is getting a brand new leather jacket at the beginning of the day and just going, no way, like I was in New York in the early eighties, uh, (laughs) And I had a leather jacket, and I went to these clubs, I hung out at CBGB, and we didn't have new leather jackets, so <laughs> give me that jacket. So I just beat it up for hours, and just just torqued it out, rubbed it on the gravel, and tried to age it really fast before we started filming. And then as soon as I got my jacket ready, Steve Tartaglia, who was a stunt spike, walks by me in his brand new leather jacket. And I was like, Steve, come over here! <laughs> and... And I started beating up his jacket too, trying to get it
0: ready. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, so, your favorite would be the, the 70s look? Yeah. Uh, yeah. Carly, what's your favorite outfit?
2: Okay. I was also going to say 70s, but in the interest of picking something different, I uh, I love Buffy's blue sweater that she's wearing at the beginning of the episode when she gets staked. <laughs> it's
1: oh, it is a cute sweater. Where
2: well, she has her hair in little braid pigtails. Yeah. Yeah. It's mm. precious.
1: Uh, Matthew. Well, I'm a sucker for period drama, so I'm going to go with Cecily's outfit when in in the William, the bloody, uh, back, you know, (laughs) backstory.
0: Um, so I'm going to repeat because I cannot say this enough. Um, as a former shitty pop punk teen, who thought he was really cool for listening to music like that. Oh boy. Do I still love that spike in that outfit? (laughs)
3: Um,
0: so I'm going to go with that one. Um, Favorite scene, Carly?
2: Uh, I'm going to pick the the speech at the end, uh, at the bronze, when Spike tells Buffy she has a death wish. All
0: right.
1: Matthew? I'm going to go with the same. James? Uh,
3: the scene at the very end when I can't kill her. in
0: the oh. Yeah. Not to be uh-huh. lame again and agree with James, but I'm also going to agree with
3: him. <laughs> We get it. <laughs> we get it. <laughs> yeah.
0: um, a close second, though, is that Nikki would fight. i i think of that fight often um and then we grade the episode on a scale from a to f we'll probably all give it the same grade james you go first a carly solid (laughs) also also a matthew yeah it's an a yeah same a yeah (laughs)
1: um
0: matthew should we do the should we do the closing
1: Thank you, everyone, for stopping by. Thank you
0: Thank you so much for doing this, James. I can't thank you enough. We really appreciate it. Um, yeah,
1: my pleasure, man.
0: And um, I'm
1: a fan of Buffy, too, so it's, it's fun to talk about. <laughs> uh, and thank you, Carly.
0: Uh, yes, one of thank our Thank you. Um, um, Ian,
1: where can people find you, Ian?
0: They can find me on Twitter and all social media at
1: IanXCarlos. And you can find me at Matthew Rodriguez, Matthew with one T, a G and a Z. And Carly, where can they find you?
2: Uh, They can find me on Twitter at my name, Carly Lane.
1: And James, where can people find you?
3: Uh, You can find me on uh, James Marsters OF on Twitter and the official James Marsters uh, site on Facebook. Yay!
0: Thank you so much, everyone. Um, Thank you. Bye.
3: Bye. Bye.